0: Welcome to the Shepherd King Podcast. We exist to equip pastors and leaders in the local church to transcend beyond current culture, to see government through the lens of the gospel and engage as modeled in the scriptures. I am Leo Lazzarini. And I'm Greg Baker. Welcome to the Shepherd King Podcast. As you know, we are going through our series called, Who is Our King Today?, And to do that, we are describing the six powers of the king. Our last episode, we talked about the lawmaker. And in this episode, we will be talking about the CEO, another power of the king. Greg, to start our time, who is the CEO?
1: Well, as we discussed in previous episodes, we broke this down. The CEO is part of what we call the executive branch now in the United States of America. If you live in the United Kingdom, Canada, or really most nations of the world, the parliament has a cabinet. The prime minister serves as the head of this cabinet. In our states, it would be our governor would be the head of this executive branch, the CEO, or in the federal level, it's the president of the United States. And like major companies that are broken into multiple departments every state the united states of america they're all broken in departments so here in iowa where you and i live our state has 36 state departments and that's gonna be your average number around the country
0: that's great and greg what does the ceo do in government exercising that power of the king
1: they're the administrator they're So you think about the the legislature, they're the ones passing the laws, Think of them as a governing board of the company. Mm -hmm. They're going to really set the parameters. They're going to build the fence around the pen Mm -hmm. and what you can do. But after that, someone needs to do it. And in a company, you have a team. You hire a CEO. You have a team that carries out the work of the company. The executive branch carries out that work, and the CEO oversees it. Mm-hmm. And we know the larger the company gets, there's more layers. Government is a gigantic company. Right. And historically in the Bible, this is all done by one person. One person would wear the hat of all these things, and they weren't as separate as they are today. If there is a hiccup in the CEO part, well, since you're the king, you can just change the law. Mm-hmm. So historically, and still in a number of governments in the world, it's not as compartmentalized. But for those of us who live in republics, we really compartmentalize executing judgment, executing just the work, but then also passing laws. Mm. And a good example in the scriptures, we have to do in the Bible is you have to really search through and ask what is this king using in this moment? Is the king acting as a commander of armies? Is the king passing a law? Is he executing a judgment, or is he just running the state? And you take a look at Samuel, 2 Samuel 8.15, says, King David reigned over all of Israel, administering, look at that word, administering, justice and righteousness for all its people. David was an administrator. And is the administration side that you really depend on, really close advisors? The king had close advisors. He had cabinet leaders like we have today. And the president of the United States very much depends on his cabinet. And the governor very much depends on their cabinet, their deputy secretaries. They depend on that team.
0: That, that's great, Greg. Uh, Greg, as you're describing, who is the CEO or what the CEO does? Why is that job important for us people?
1: It's a great question, Leo. The executive branch is a fascinating place. We pay a lot of attention to our presidents, our governors, our prime ministers, but actually not that often as CEO, more in a head of state role we pay attention to them. That's that's for another conversation. But most of your day-to-day life is impacted by government leaders you'll never meet that are part of the executive branch. Mm-hmm. So the president of the United States if the government is not functioning well under their leadership Americans do not get social security checks every month. The interstate system doesn't get plowed during the snowstorm. Roads don't get replaced. Potholes don't get patched. Day-to-day life experience with government is from the executive branch. And what we know when a company runs well, we choose it. I I love Chick-fil-A. I love Chick-fil-A. I love what they stand for, but I I love their food and I love their service too. Mm -hmm. And a lot of Americans love Chick-fil-A. Why? Because we know when you go to Chick-fil-A, you're going to get good service and they're going to take good care of you. They're going to honor you while you're there. And what happens is we choose places that are ran well. Mm -hmm. Government has that same component. It has customers. It has clients. It's the people of the land. Government is the only institution that represents everybody. Mm -hmm. And the CEO oversees what kind of services you're going to get from your government. And if government is poorly functioning and is not operating well, you don't have a competitor. You can't go from Chick-fil-A to Popeyes. Mm -hmm. They're it. They're the only option for all people. And people suffer greatly from rich to poor. People suffer when government is ran poorly. But when government runs well, it is a huge blessing. So the CEO is an often underlooked, but one of the most important positions of the king. You can pass all the laws you want if they're not executed properly. You will not see the impact of the legislation.
0: Greg that's very good. as we look to the history of the United States and the history of the world, what what is a good example or maybe a few examples that of people of leaders that are that have taken that responsibility of CEO really well and and have blessed the people
1: Well I want to look at an example from the scriptures then I want to look at an example from uh, the United States government. Mm-hmm. So in the scriptures, we, we have a monarchy again, right? But I want to take a look at uh, Daniel chapter 2, verse 48. Mm-hmm. In Daniel 2, 48, it says, Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many generous gifts. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and chief governor over all the wise men of Babylon. Daniel was put in the place and what we would know today as a cabinet secretary. The king surrounded himself with all these wise men that advised him as he carried out governance. That's the cabinet. And Daniel was placed as the head of cabinet. Think of him as a a chief of staff in the president's office Mm -hmm. today. That's, That's the role that he was able to hold. And I think about the impact that Daniel had as one of the Lord's people The people of Babylon were greatly blessed during that time. I think Mm -hmm. of the the challenge in Jeremiah when it says to seek the welfare of the place that you've been taken captive, Mm -hmm. for when it prospers, you will surely prosper. Well, that was most certainly true when Daniel was there advising not only one emperor, but four emperors Mm -hmm. through that time period, through two different empires. And he brought blessing on the Babylonians and the Persians, but also the Jewish people in exile there. And the scriptures say we're in exile today. This is our primary citizenship and residence is in heaven. It's not here, it's not in our world. Mm. And as Christians, we can be an extraordinary blessing to the people here. And in this realm of government, there are Christians all around the world put in places of authority like this and the executive branch that are blessing all of the people of the land, including the Lord's people. Mm-hmm. Joseph also found himself in this position. He was within the executive branch. He was carrying out the work of actually implementing the program that we would call a food pantry today mm-hmm. on a massive scale. And think of the blessing he was to all the Egyptian people, including the Hebrews. And I'm reminded of Proverbs 11, 14. Proverbs eleven fourteen 14 says, For a lack of guidance a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. Mm-hmm. And a good king, a good monarch historically, surrounded themselves by wise people who are smarter than they were. And they were, and they not only surrounded themselves with them, they listened to their counsel. Mm-hmm. And today in our government, what we want to look for, especially in selecting the CEO of the nation, Mm -hmm. whoever that is in your country, are they a person that has the habits in their lives now of seeking counsel from wise people? Mm -hmm. Because anyone just seeks counsel. We can seek counsel from those who are gonna affirm what we want, Mm -hmm. but it's not gonna be good counsel. Do you have the habit of seeking wise counsel for people that have a track record of good things? Is that who you're surrounding yourself with? And if they're not surrounding themselves with that now, they're not going to do it later. Mm -hmm. And that's the people we want. And the person that's most famous for this in U.S. history is Abraham Lincoln. There's a, a book out there now written called Team of Rivals that talks about this. President Lincoln President at perhaps the most challenging time in US history. The nation split in two. During his presidency, it was encompassed in a war. There's a great moral collision going on in the nation. Is slavery okay? Is slavery not okay? Mm -hmm. It was dividing families. People be one side of the nation fighting for the Confederacy, the same family member be fighting for the North. Even divided Abraham Lincoln's own family. Mary Todd's Lincolns, his in laws, were Confederates. They're pro Confederacy. And he still hosted his in laws in the White House on Thanksgiving because they're family. There's probably a lot of people listening right now that can relate with that. You have very different opinions from family members. He was fighting a war. With two different factions in his own home. Mm-hmm. And what President Lincoln did, he ascended in the presidency through a very competitive field. And he was a, a candidate for a brand new political party that we call, the, it's the Republican Party today. Mm-hmm. So obviously this new party succeeded because here we are all these years later still with the party. And And the vie for the nomination is extremely competitive with very wise people running. Lincoln ended up winning. And what he did is when it came time to the presidency, he surrounded himself with his former political rivals. He had former Whigs and Democrats on his cabinet. He had all of his main rivals from the Republican nomination. And each of these individuals were well-qualified many of them having better credentials than himself and strong-minded people. So think of the humility it takes to lead a team like this. Mm-hmm. Humility is so key for a good CEO. Right. But what's really fascinating, so on this cabinet he had Edwin Stanton. He would be been the Secretary of War. He was a Democrat. Samuel Chase, Samuel Chase was a radical Republican. He'd been far right, completely get rid of slavery, no gradual. But then you also had William Seward, who came very close to beating Lincoln for the presidency. He was more popular than Lincoln, so he was more qualified as Lincoln. And Lincoln did not only give him a a place on the cabinet. A lot of times we give our rivals a place to sell a token, but we'll give them a a low level Mm inconsequential position, right? Lincoln gave him the best place on the cabinet as Mm -hmm. secretary of state. Mm -hmm. And what's remarkable is these individuals would all end up becoming friends. And they had a lot of different views. But Lincoln understood, I want different views. I want different perspectives. But here's the kicker, Leo. Hmm. They had the same morals. They shared a moral foundation, and they differed on how to apply it. (laughs) And I think that is an important pattern to recognize, because if there was different morals, there's a different end goal that you're working towards. Right. So this time, they were all anti-slavery. That was the main moral foundation. Anti-slavery Whigs, Republicans, and Democrats. Many different perspectives. Do we gradually get rid of slavery? Do we do a total war at the South? There's so many different things I ironed, mm-hmm. but they had that same end goal in mind. And that's what we want to be looking for as Christians. Like, who has a heart for people? Who has a heart for the kingdom of God? With the understanding, there's going to be different paths to getting there. And a good king's going to surround themselves with those people, but they're implementing that same moral standard, that same end goal they're working towards. And that is what you see in a good CEO. And America very much prospered from this presidency and possibly— would not have survived without him. But not just him, but the team he surrounded himself with.
0: That's very good, Greg. Thank you for sharing that. That's a great example of somebody that is in power and although does not need to bring anybody to the table for the conversation, somebody that could choose whoever he was going to make decisions with, but chose to bring people that is different than him with different backgrounds, different views to learn from and to make good decisions for the people. That shows a servant's heart, uh, somebody that cares deeply about the people. So thanks so much for sharing that. Thank you for listening to our episode today. And we are excited to get more in depth into each of the six powers of the King. The Shepherd King podcast is brought to you by the Church Ambassador Network, a ministry of the Family Leader Foundation that inspires the church to engage government for the advance of God's kingdom. For more information about the Church Ambassador Network, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, thefamilyleader.com church.